0: So I've had an amazing career. For me personally, today, I've had an amazing career. You know, I started off on the graduate scheme. I left as like a head of department. So I've had a great career. But what I also knew was that like the only way I wanted to leave was with a redundancy package, right? Because it's not often that you get the opportunity to get paid to leave. So for me, I was always open to that idea. I was a bit surprised when it actually came, but in in a lot of ways, it's almost like a dream come true.
1: Hello and welcome back to Authentic on Air with Bruce Alexander. I'm your host, Bruce Alexander. This show is entering its podcaster era, so people get on board. The platform of the show is to create a space for authenticity by allowing people to share their stories, varying relationships and authenticity, and how they tie authenticity into the things they are passionate about. The beauty of many podcasters is that you can skip right to the good stuff because their passions are already out in full view for the public in the form of a podcast. You're going to start hearing podcaster a lot during my introductions because i recently gotten hooked into an amazing community of podcasters, which has provided me with a unique list of amazing individuals. So I really think it's going to help elevate the listening experience in this show. Think about it. In all likelihood, someone who describes themselves as a podcaster will want to sound good on a podcast so they will likely have a better sound setup, a more cl- clear idea of what they want to talk about and deliver clear, concise points in you know pretty brief language, and will want to be interesting. So you might check out their podcast as well. So for me, a perfect guest, and for you, if the content isn't good, I just won't air it. So no pressure to my guest today, Tolu, Adabu, Adabu, <laughs> I messed it up, Adab, Adabbeken. Tolu Tolu out of beckon, right? Yeah. Okay, man, that, that, I'm gonna get used to it. But he is a speaker data analyst, and you guessed it, podcaster. More about our guests after today's reflection. What does leadership mean to you? Where do leaders exist in your life, and where do you exist as a leader? Through my experiences, I have learned that leadership is not all about team sports and corporate management. I am a leader in my home, my friend group, and my community. I have a personality that allows me to speak up and take action fearlessly, so that makes it easy for me to be turned to as a leader. What makes leadership hard for me is remembering that those words and actions affect me or affect more than just myself. So I have no question if I am a leader, but I have to keep asking myself if I'm being a good leader. Am I applying my own principles of self-awareness, humility, and consistency to the way I lead? Usually when I ask this question, it's because I know that I'm not. And it's time to reassess what I'm doing and why I have gotten off track. What struggles do you have leading authentically in your life? I would love to hear your thoughts sound off on the episode 18 reflection post on Instagram, Facebook, or threads at authentic identity management, or make a post of your own with the hashtag authentic reflections. And remember, if you like today's podcast or love the space we are creating on this show, then please leave a review and follow this podcast. So you don't miss any of the great episodes I have coming out weekly. And recently I've created a Patreon. Like this is, this is hard for me to say, but I would love any support at authentic Bruce at Patreon. Host of the the Dunamis EQ podcast and the Reason to Behold podcast, Tolu Adebekin is the British accented, silky smooth advocate of leadership through emotional intelligence who wants to empower you to be a better leader, starting with leading yourself with love. I'm very excited to dig into Tolu's story because A, I could listen to him read the phone book, B, I read him as a very genuine person, and we all know those are my favorite types of people. And see, he is promoting something I believe deeply in, and that is what I call leading with your heart, and what he calls EQ, the emotional quotient. He is doing work that I find especially important because I have had so much experience with with leadership with a negative EQ. He is currently navigating what he calls unemployment, as he was fairly recently made redundant in his full-time position. Let's get into it with, live from London, Tolu Adebeke. Welcome, Tolu.
0: Thank you so much. And as a podcaster, I loved watching you do your intro and your reflections. I've never seen anything like that that before. So that was amazing. I loved that. I really enjoyed that. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sorry
1: I butchered your name so many times through it, but I'll I'll get it right. I promise.
0: Hey, the, the fact is that you tried, right? So many people wouldn't even try. So I'm just honored that you tried. So yeah, all good with me.
1: Well, you'll see just in this episode that I have no problem failing in public. So,
0: Good. It's, it's a it's a good trait to have because I feel especially with podcasting, sometimes it can really feel like you're failing because you can feel at the beginning like you're putting stuff out there. Are people really listening? Are people really enjoying it? And then you get some feedback about, you know, okay, you could have done this better with your camera or that better. So I think it's so important with podcasting to just be able to like laugh at yourself a little bit, do things that might not work out. Like it's it's all good.
1: I absolutely agree. So, to to jump right in, how fresh is your fun employment?
0: So, I was made redundant in July um, of this year. So, it's about six weeks old.
1: Six weeks old. So, do you think the amount of fun in that equation will change along with your
0: savings? (laughs) Do you know what? Um, That's a very good question. I think that for me, I was at the same company for 12 years. Um, So, I was at, you know, a big broadcaster i was there since i left university so i've had an amazing career for me personally today i've had an amazing career you know i started off on the graduate scheme i left as like a head of department so i've had a great career but what i also knew was that like the only way i wanted to leave was with a redundancy package right because it's not often that you get the opportunity to get paid to leave so for me i was always open to that idea i was a bit surprised when it actually came but in a, in a lot of ways, it's almost like a dream come true, to be very honest with you, because it's probably time for me to go try something different. So I think that the fun employment side of it is, is going to stay for a long time because I just get to figure out what's next. There's no pressure because you get a package. So I can actually relax a little bit.
1: Well, I feel like here in America, the, what, what you're talking about is not a common thing. So tell us a little bit more about what a redundancy package is. And how that's setting you up for really taking your next step.
0: So in the UK, the way that it works basically is that the government has set up guidelines for you get X amount of months pay or weeks pay based on how long you've been in a company. So when you've been in a company for like 12 years, it's going to stack up in, into a decent amount. So so that's where kind of in the UK, you're a little bit more protected in these redundancy situations. And then also some companies have what's called an enhanced package as well, where they add some extra bits on top. So it's, it's a really, um, it's not as bad as it is in the US where you can kind of get laid off really quickly. It has a whole long process to it. So you're, you're a lot more protected in the UK. Something else
1: I think that, um, that we may not be familiar with across the pond is the, uh, the graduate scheme. How, how did that work? Starting out with this uh, with Sky.
0: So, so basically, the way that it works is that they take people who are fresh out of college, um, like you guys call it in the states, and then you go on a rotational scheme. So, for example, within I did a business degree, so I was quite general, um, but then I did you know finance, sales and marketing. I did client delivery, and then I did analytics as part of my graduate scheme. So it's over a period of like eighteen months to two years. You work in different parts of the business and then you figure out what you want to do at the end. So I thought going into it, I wanted to be in sales and marketing. But then when I went into sales and marketing, I was terrible at it. And I found it really boring for me personally. But (laughs) analytics, I loved it. And I didn't even know that that was an option of something that I could do. So I did like maybe six weeks in analytics. And after that, I knew that, okay, this is what I'm good at. And this is what I want to be doing for the future. So it's a rotational kind of thing. And it's really interesting. So I did a, a study abroad year in the States. So I was at Marquette university and I had a class called, I think it was motivation and leadership. And they were basically saying about how the best leaders didn't just go straight up in an organization. They would kind of go from different parts and make some diagonal moves as well. So that they can find how different parts of the business work and they can bring that understanding into their leadership. And that really impacted me in terms of when I came back to the UK I really wanted a rotational grad scheme where I try different things.
1: Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So were you, were you paid uh, a decent living wage throughout the graduate scheme?
0: Yeah. So I, I think, I think I started on like 25,000 pounds and that was like 12 years ago. Right. So that was at the time, what, like 35, $40,000, which was, it was reasonable in terms of living and things like that. So it was, it definitely was a decent wage. Yeah. Wow, that's that's
1: amazing how different things are from from culture to culture. Because I mean, to to get that kind of experience in America, you're going to have to sacrifice money. Like you you are not wow. going to be able to get paid and also get the experience to be that well rounded, especially going into one company. They're going they're going to expect you to do an internship for little wow. to no money, and that's a
0: wow.
1: yeah. That's I'm not going to say fair unfair because it doesn't really matter, but. It's, uh, it's definitely an interesting look at the, the culture that
0: exists as, you know, at where we were born out of. <laughs> and, and I think it's, so I have this very interesting relationship with America because for the longest time I wanted to go and live in America. America was like, I wanted to be the American dream, you know, come over to America, work really hard, make loads of money, be really successful. What I found was that even stuff like, um, what we call annual leave or you call PTO, right? Like pay time off, we get a standard 25 days for the year, right? In America it averages something like 10, 40. Yeah. Right. And then where <laughs> I worked, you earn a, a year's, a day's worth of holiday for every year that you work there. So when I left, I, I was getting like 30 days of holiday every year, plus my bank holidays. Right. So these were some of the things when I was like, I would love to go to America, but like the working culture in some ways is quite tough. It's, it's quite tough, especially when you're coming from Europe where the UK is okay, but there's places like France, which some people take the whole summer off, you know? So it's, it's very different, but what I love about America is the competitive nature, right? Because in the UK, we're a little bit less competitive and it shows in so many different ways, but I love the competitiveness of America.
1: Yeah, we're definitely competitive (laughs) until it comes to pay. (laughs) At that point, we kind of, uh kind of lay off a little bit you know and you know we let uh i don't know let the capitalist thing do its do its job and you know i i have my own feelings about that and mm. i, I could take it or leave it but at the same time it has provided a place where i really do enjoy living so mm. you know there's some really good things some really bad things but yeah i like i i was interested um with you like i know that race in Europe is completely different than the way we conceive it here. Like I know that um I've heard that England is closer to America than really anywhere else that to speak of, but it's still very different. So whenever I say you're a black man living in England, that may not be how you perceive it. What what is what is your perception and how would you consider that you were treated as a person with brown skin
0: in England? That's a really interesting question. So I think for context, right? So I was actually born in Nigeria and I came over to the UK when I was about two years old. So funnily enough, both of my parents separately were born in the UK when their parents were here studying and then lived in Nigeria when they were growing up, right? So they grew up in Nigeria, but they had British passports and everything like that. And I came from a place where, you know, maybe 10, 15 years before we came to the UK, you could spend nigerian money in england so pound and the naira are like tied you know our economy was good so now it's like one pound to 700 naira or something like that so in the last 30 years there's been a lot of change so my parents were you know they came from successful families they came from where you know they had houses that were like as big as two houses so coming from nigeria and that kind of background where like black people succeed you know, it's a normal thing. Whereas in England, sometimes it wasn't always like that. So I'm probably coming from that mindset where there's no reasons why I shouldn't succeed. You know, it's expected of me to go to university, go to college, get a good job, earn some money, like that's expected of me to the point where we have what we call the big four. So doctor, accountant, engineer, lawyer. So that's what most people are coming to become. So my my mom is a lawyer. My dad is an engineer, right? So that's, the kind of the background that I come from. So when I was growing up, success is like, it's not really an option. Do you see what I mean? It's it's what you do. So I think that sometimes that conflicts with what sometimes English people might think of black people, right? So that's where sometimes there's been a bit of a conflict where other people often have different expectations of what I should look like, what I should sound like, what I should be doing. But to be very honest with you, I'm kind of focused on, I need to do what I can control. Right. So I can control how I respond. I can control how I approach people. And in me controlling my controllables, for me, generally, everything else figures itself out. Everything else works itself out. But I've definitely had um, instances where, for example, I used to do a job where I would leaflet and I was leafleting in a car park and putting the leaflets on the car windshields. And someone called the police and said, you know, there's a black guy in the car park and he's got a crowbar. And like what so the police came up to me in the middle of the town center and they basically like started searching me in the middle of town and it's like i'm literally trying to do my job you know so there, there have definitely been instances where race has played into it but i think that to be honest the way i try and live my life as much as possible is that i need to do what i can do i need to be as good as i can be and then if people aren't down for that because i'm a black man that's not really my problem. I will find the people who will see the value in what I do and they'll pay me for the value that I bring. Um so that's kind of how I've seen race in the UK. I think when I was living in America, I was in Atlanta and I was dressed like a European person, so a little bit more slim fitted and that kind of thing. And I remember bumping into a police officer and asking him for directions. And he looked so confused by me because obviously like I'm six foot six, I'm like a big black guy. And then when I come up to him and I'm talking, I talk like an English person. I'm dressed like a European. And I just remember him him saying to me like, you be safe now. And I was like, why do you need to tell me that? Like, what is going on? And that's when I started to really understand. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is what other like African-Americans, this is what they go through. When they live here on a regular basis, because I was just visiting. But he was like, "Who are you here with?" I'm like, "I'm 21. <laughs> what do you mean, who am I here with?" But it just helped me to see from a different perspective. You know, that's that's really funny. He's like,
1: "You're not going to be safe in this environment, sir. You're a little." You're... I'm sure he was probably thinking, "Well, this guy's soft." <laughs> like,
0: yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I that? am. I am. <laughs> I am soft. Like I can't. I can't <laughs> pretend like I'm any kind of gangster. I'm not. I'm just not.
1: <laughs> well, and, and most of the people that he probably dealt with weren't gangster either. But because of, you know, that that stereotype, that's what he's, you know, what he's actually trained to think. And that's, you hmm. know, that's a really depressing part of our society. And um, I've dealt with a lot of the same things. You know, I live here and I don't sound the way I'm supposed to. I am big. Hmm. I'm you know, I'm not 6'6". I'm only I'm only 5'10", but I'm 350 pounds. So I, I, I'm imposing in a different way. And mm. whenever I talk, people are, they're surprised. They're like, oh, well, you're not supposed to sound that way. And uh, that's something, you know, I used to struggle with. You know, we talk we talk a lot about identity on the show. And that's, that's part of the identity I used to struggle with is people assuming that I was going to sound a way, assuming mm. that I was going to have a certain set of values, assuming that I was going to be a way and me taking those opinions on as my own. And <clears throat> I've definitely, that's been a huge part of my growth process is learning not to let other people's opinions change you, but mm. let them shape the way that you grow. And uh, you know, I'm, it's important for me to be aware of those other people's opinions and thoughts because you have to you have to know the system that you're working in. It's, it's important.
0: I. But yeah, I, I'm glad I, that uh,
1: the experience is, is different for you. And I'm sorry <laughs> that, it, that while you were in America, you did have that experience. Though. So.
0: Do you know? I, I love what you said about you have to be aware of other people's perceptions. So for example, one thing I'm super passionate about is learning how to play the game. So like the corporate game, there are it's a game to be played, right? And there are ways that you can win and there are ways that you right. can lose. So for example, when I go into a meeting and I meet someone for the first time, like sometimes I'm much taller than people, right? So when you shake their hand, they give you the strong handshake, like who's the alpha, right? So I have to be aware right. of that. So when I'm in a meeting and I've got an idea, I can be aware of the fact that, okay, this person might be insecure because of my size. They might have racial bias, whatever it is. So one thing that you're not going to find me doing is being the angry black man, right? So even if we're in a disagreement, I'll be very calm, very logical, very, like very cool because I also know that, look, I, it's sad, but I don't have as much leeway as my white counterpart to act out like that. I, I simply don't, that's going to be yeah. a problem. Then on top of that, I'm also tall. so. I have to find ways to interact with people where it's not threatening, right? So for example, let's say I've got an idea. There are ways that you can have that conversation that bring in that insecure person that help to get their buy-in because you're understanding where they're coming from. You're talking to where they're coming from. So even if it's a case of I, re- I reinforce something that person said. So let's say, you know, they had a good idea or whatever. I can say, oh, you know what you said? It gave me this idea that if we do it this way, that can work. Because so it's not you versus me. Yeah. That's us together figuring out a way forward. So I love what you said about understanding other people's perspectives and being aware of that and knowing how to, for me, it's knowing how to work with that because that's human behavior as well. It's just there are some extra layers sometimes where like race and size and things like that come into it.
1: And it's, um, I I definitely agree with what you said. uh, Sorry, with what you said. The, The hard part for me is sometimes the fact that we have to play the game so much better than anybody else to be successful like you know because of those mitigating <clears> factors we have to know the game we have to play the game and then we're handicapped in the game at the same time and that can you know it's it's easy to want to just not play the game at that point but then nobody gets hurt but you so you know it's yeah it's important to understand yeah. that it's a game and that you have to play it if you want to be successful but to also keep your keep your heart safe and not you know not let that enter into the into the equation, it's, you know, especially when it's business, it is just business. Don't let your feelings get entrenched in that.
0: And, and here's the thing, right? Is that we're often not taught that there is a game to be played, right? So when I was growing up, my parents thing was study well, you know, be very good academically and you'll be successful, work hard and your work will talk for you, but that's not true, right? Because there are people in corporate who get far and they don't actually work that hard. They're not actually that good at what they do. But what they're really good at is publicizing the little work that they've done. They're good at saying, this is my success, but we're not taught that. So as a Nigerian, it's actually like for me, quite taboo to be telling you, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. This is what I've done. So I feel like we're not even taught sometimes that there is a game to be played. We're taught if you work hard, it will work out. But if you've got to work hard and be smart about how you talk about your work and about how you publicize what yep. you've done. There's so much within the game to be played that I think we, don't, we often don't even know about it. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm super passionate about. So when I talk to people like me who are coming out of university, I'm telling them, look, these are the games and these are how they're played. Not in a manipulative way, but you need to understand how people work. You know, that's, that's what I'm really passionate about because I feel like it's not my parents' fault because they didn't have to play the game back home, but there are games to be played in that corporate world. Absolutely. And um, I recently, uh, the the
1: episode that just came out this morning on whenever this, whenever this plays, that won't make sense. But uh, I, I talked to Taylor Doe and he has he's a TEDx speaker and he talked about and then moments, and what what those and then moments are the key individuals in people's lives that were often the like the kind of the launchpad for their success that people leave out of those stories. They just say, work hard and then you'll make it or mm. study hard and then you'll make it. And in mm. that, and then it's work hard <laughs> and then you'll make a connection with, and that person yeah. will know somebody who, and yeah. there's, all, there's all these like little hidden, you know, uh, hacks to the game that help level you up that are not as easily accessible to people who look like us. If you, you know, if you happen to look different, often you're automatically accepted into circles where those and then moments happen much more often to much higher degrees of success mm. you know even with a, mm. a great and moment for me where somebody was like hey i know this person let me connect you it's not necessarily going to be a successful connection because they're going to meet me and i look like me and they look like them and it's not necessarily like oh automatic connection whereas to if you're you know Caucasian, it is often a very different outcome
0: do you, do you know what? i feel like from both sides sometimes we feel like we're not going to have that much in common right so i've had so i was part of a diversity network at work right and one of the things that they were saying is look i don't like football i don't like this i don't like that and this is what all the white guys at work are talking about and my thing was like i don't like football either so like soccer sorry for americans so like I don't like those things. either. Yeah. I don't like soccer. <laughs> I don't like golf. I don't like any of those things that they're talking about, but I can still find common ground. So I feel like sometimes both sides go into it thinking I'm not going to be able to connect with this person. And I feel like that's where as humans, sometimes we really miss out because, you know, the, the Caucasian side are saying, well, they're so different from me. I don't know how to connect. The outside is saying the same thing. And then we miss each other in the middle. It's actually like humans are a right. lot more similar than they are different. So I just feel like sometimes we miss a trick with that from both sides, you know? And yeah, for me, like what i
1: especially missed with that trick. So um, part of my journey was getting kind of forced out of the fire department because I was I really missed that trick. Like I missed that place where you connect with people who you who aren't like you. And so part of that for me was ADHD and unable or being unable to filter through. All these things that I thought were uninteresting to get to see that there are people that likely have something uh, in common with me and find that common ground. And also because I'm me and I think the way that I do, they didn't want to try to find that common ground with me either. Because there's, you know, seven people at a station who all think very similarly. I Hmm. think very different. And I also look different in a couple of different ways. And they, they decided that that was not worth pushing past. And so did I honestly, um, looking back, if I had had me to talk to now, I, I could have coached myself through that all very differently, but at the time it's really hard to to want to get to know somebody who doesn't want to get to know you either but if you once again, if you are trying to be successful, you have to make a commitment to play the game and to do the things that are going to help make your life easier and make your career more successful.
0: And and I think that's where, for me, leadership comes into it, because I loved what you said about how leadership isn't just in terms of sports. It's not just in terms of corporate, but it's, it's really about how do you lead yourself first for me? So the reason I have my podcast, the Dunamis EQ one, so dunamis is the Greek word for power. So it's about empowering people with emotional intelligence so that they can lead themselves and lead others better, right? So it's that thing of look, getting to know people is actually really interesting, right? So for me, it's really interesting to hear you say that actually that was something that you weren't interested in before because as a podcast host, you're a really attentive host, right? You listen, it feels like you're engaged. So it's so interesting for me that so far away from that was kind of how you were in terms of when you were at the fire station. But it's like, yeah. it's just interesting to hear what people have to say. You know, every every human is so amazing, You know, even the ones that we think aren't like, they've got something within them. That's amazing. And it's like, how do I lead myself to the point where actually I'm curious about people? Because that's really what people want is that curiosity and connection, you know, like people love that. So it's, it's not even that's complicated, but it is a bit of a discipline to say like, okay, even though this is hard for me because my ADHD is kicking off and I don't want to pay attention, I'm going to lead myself to the point where I pay attention, where I hear what people are saying, where I can connect with people. I think that's so important
1: yeah and I think what um what it, like becoming a podcast or sorry, podcast host for me has done is that it's kind of gamified um getting to know people it's like each you know each time somebody's coming onto the show, like the game is how well can you get to know this person in this you know in this yeah. enclosed amount of time <clears throat> and like all of a sudden I love it it's like the, it's like my favorite game I'm like, oh, I love getting to know all these you know different people <laughs> yeah. and digging into their stories and hearing everything about yeah. them even though my uh my buddy who, you know, follows the podcast was watching. He's like, When I watch your videos, you look like you're dead. Like I'm like, that's just how my face looks. Like I swear, I'm so interested. Like my brain yeah. is on fire right now, but my yeah. my face is just like kind of unless I'm yeah. laugh, like if I'm laughing, that's pretty obvious that I'm, you know, excited about it. But my my attention face is almost angry looking. <laughs> and I wish I could change that, but that's just what it is. Yeah. Um so like that um I was going over my notes for my uh for my leadership workshop and um it what you just said reminded me of something that I like I hadn't looked at in a while and looking at it I one of the uh, the key tenets of my leadership style, authentic leadership, is to assume that everybody on your team is a stronger link to the chain than you are. Just work mm. off that assumption until they prove it mm. wrong. Like yeah. get like Assume that you are the one who needs to get stronger, especially if you're leading that team. We need to get better at utilizing their skills rather than tell people that they need to do this better. They need to do that better. Assume that everybody has something in them that there's a reason why they're here. And uh, yeah. that, that's something that I like. I dealt with a lot is that I got hired on the fire department as a reason, for a reason. Like people saw something in me. But the thing that they saw in me was. It was really officer material. Like, I'm a really good thinker. Like, solving problems is something that I'm really great at. And I'm also mm-hmm. really good at talking through things. In the fire department, your first three years, there is nothing about that that involves thinking. They do not want you. They don't want your thoughts. They don't, you, don't, you haven't been on this job long enough to think about that. And that, that was so hard for me. I couldn't stop thinking. But mm-hmm. they assumed, that because I'd, I didn't have that much experience, I didn't have anything to bring to the table. And I think that I think that's a mistake. I think that if somebody hired somebody and they put them on your team, they're likely, you know, at least smart enough to have some idea of what your team needs. And you should you should just trust in that fact because they're there anyways. Try to make the best of it and find out what that thing is that they offer to the team and then utilize mm. it. You mm. know, if they're a good thinker, don't tell them to shut up. Just like, mm. Oh, yeah. What do you think about this? Even if you don't let them implement their thoughts all the time like have them thinking about things and all of a sudden you might hear that one thing that cracks you know cracks the case you've been working on for a long time
0: exactly exactly
1: hey there authentic audience i really hope you're enjoying this fantastic conversation with the pod father tolu Edebekan. make sure to rate and review the episode and hit that follow button right now so you don't miss the extra special episode coming out next week episode 19 best friends for life Maintaining your identity through lifelong friendship with Marilyn and Latricia is my first forte into the group interview format. I'm not going to lie, I was terrified. Thankfully, the host duo of the Marvelous Mystic Muggles podcast was so generous and understanding as I navigated this new format. What happened was incredibly impactful. Episode 19 is an ADHD fantasy. We cut through all of the BS and immediately jumped into the deepest waters and stayed there. We visited many different pools, but we stayed in the deep end and I really think you're going to enjoy it. Don't miss it. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Bye everyone.
0: I think that even if someone is a bad thinker, at least hear what they have to say, like what's the harm in hearing a suggestion that someone has, because I think sometimes it's the people with the least experience that can see things fresh, right? So for example, the last team that I led, I. It was with a tool that I'm not that good at, right? But I had a team of people who were way better at that tool than me. But where I could add value is that because I don't know all the ins and outs of the tool, I can ask questions that might seem stupid, but then people think about it and go, actually, no, that is possible. This is how we can do that. But because I don't don't have all the experience, I can actually ask some really fresh questions that can lead to something new. Because when you're experienced, you just do things the way it's always been done, because that's what experience tells you to do. But actually, when you're not experienced, you can say, oh, what about this? Could we do that? Is this possible? So I feel like even if someone is a terrible thinker, you know, everybody deserves to at least be heard, you know, at least to hear out what they have yeah. to say, go through it properly and figure out if it's something to do or not. I don't think it's fair to just shut people up because you think they're not experienced. That's how you get stuck Absolutely. in the past.
1: Yep. 100%. So, um, I want I want to go back to this uh, redundancy thing just a little bit because like <laughs> as I was looking at your career um yeah. well it's more about the fact that you had done everything right you would you know you'd built yourself up to this company through rising above the ranks trying out different things you know making yourself well rounded and reaching you know a pretty high degree of success does leaving that job once again this is this might be an american mode of thought which we make our careers, a large part of our identity. Like, you know, whenever I left the fire department, it was very difficult for me. Still is difficult sometimes because that was who I was. I was a firefighter. I was a public educator. And defining myself now, it's hard to say, that's what I did. That was a, you know, a great time in my career. Now I'm a stay-at-home dad. I'm a, you know, a coach. Those things are all great. But being a firefighter, Mm -hmm. you know, it does mean something to people. So in your culture do you have that uh that assignment of career to identity and was it hard to have put so much time into building up this identity and doing it really well to then turn around and walk away
0: So I think in the UK it's very similar in terms of when you first meet people it's like you know what's your name and what do you do so there is definitely that link between you know the jobs that we do and our identity I think that I've been on a really interesting journey because, so I'm Christian and I've grown up as a Christian my whole life. And I feel like my parents have always taught us, even in terms of, I'm not a Nigerian first, I'm not British first, first I'm a Christian. So that's what really grounds me in terms of my values, my identity and who I am. I think that I also used to be like a semi-professional basketball player, right? And because I'm six foot six everybody would always ask me, so do you play basketball? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah I play a bit. Da, 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 da. So that was actually probably more of my, more my identity than necessarily my work, because that for me was kind of a bigger thing. And then there was a period of time where like, I was playing for a really good team. I was just starting to like crack the rotation in terms of getting on the court more because I was on the bench and I was so deep on the bench that it was, <laughs> it was so dark down there. Right. Because I wanted to play in, in in a good league, in a good team. And I'm not that good at basketball. I'm tall. I work hard, but talent wise, I'm not that talented. And I was just starting to crack the rotation. And then I felt like God was leading me to leave the basketball team. And I'm like, why? Everything is good. You know, I'm just about to start playing more. I mean, everything was great, but I felt like it had to happen at that time to decouple my identity a little bit from being a basketball player. So now when people ask me, like, oh, do you play basketball? It's not like, yeah, yeah, I play for this team. It's like, no, I used to play basketball, but I, I don't anymore. So I think that going through that helped me a little bit in terms of decoupling my identity from things like work or sports and being in a place where now I'm actually quite comfortable to know that actually I had a great 12 years at, at Sky, but now it's time to do something else. And I can actually let that go comfortably because it's not, all that I am you know
1: you said something really interesting that uh that rung really true to me is that you felt like you had to make a change because God was like leading you to uncouple your identity from basketball um like you know we talked about this a little bit like I'm not the most religious person in the entire world but I believe strongly that there's a higher power and sometimes he or she they speak to your life and kind of give you guidance and the fire department was that same thing for me is that mm. I just didn't listen the first like 10 times I was getting the, <laughs> the little nudges of like, yeah. Hey, you need like, you should do something else. Like this is for one, it's, yeah. it's crushing your soul. You, you're yeah. not happy here. But I was like, but I'm secure. Like, yeah. no, I don't, oh. want, I don't want to listen. Like I heard it and I was like, Nope, I'm secure. No. I'm taking care of my family. I'm a provider. Yeah. It's getting better. I'm like, you know, I'm making by the time I left, I was making almost three times what I was whenever I entered the fire department. Like, Mm. uh, you know, my previous job before that, like I was, things were going so well financially, but emotionally Mm. I was dead. Like Mm. as a, as a father and a spouse, I was not able to do really anything I'm capable of because I was making myself so small to continue at the department. And finally, like, God was very clear with it It was like, well, I'm going to make you like, since you're not going to do it on your own, I'm making it to where you no longer have any choice to be at this position anymore. You got to go now. They can either fire you or you can resign. And those are the options I have. And so at that point I made the decision, quote unquote, (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) really a decision at that point to leave. And then my, you know, after a little bit of reflection, my soul started to lift. Like, Incredibly, mm. I started to become a different person. I started to actually mm. become myself, and mm. I hadn't realized how much of myself I had given away to be part of that job. And mm. then I realized I was like, "Oh, okay, I see it now. I see that mm. you had a plan." And even though, like right now, financially things are shaky, my my soul has never has never felt strong. I've never been more thankful to be
0: a lot. Mm. I think there for me there are so many things in that because one of them it says about. You know, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and to lose his soul? You know, so there is something so important about our souls and the health of our souls. And that's one of the things. And I think the other thing was that I feel like security in this world that we live in is a little bit of a myth right? Even when you look at Mm. Facebook, Google, you know, all these massive tech companies, they are laying people off by the thousands and the tens of thousands. And those are meant to be super secure jobs. So I just feel like security and like job security is such a myth, you know, like it can literally be tomorrow that you come to the office and they say, look, we're going to have to shut down the company. Look, your department's going to be gone. So for me, like the whole thing about job security, I've just learned that it's just such a myth. Like anything can go at any time in this world, but if you have the skills to be able to and build what's, something what's up, What's so funny is, Sorry. yeah. What,
1: what's so funny is that my wife and I had had conversations about you know the fire department, and she's like, you know, what if some this? And I was like, no, the fire department is it's recession proof, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. redundancy proof. It's yeah. you no, know, really. There was like once you get past a certain point, you're not going to get laid off because they'll just lay off the recruits. And you know, they had happened before, but like I was far enough one to it was like people get DUIs on this job and don't get fired. People have, you know, wow. been caught up in domestic abuse and don't get like I was like, I'm never gonna do any of that stuff. I'm like I'm good and I'm set for life. Yeah. And somehow God showed me that pride come up before the fall. Yeah. <laughs> and uh I yeah. I appreciate the lesson. It was a hard one, but um mm. Yeah, I, I had to, I needed to learn it. That there is that security is a myth. There is especially yeah. for black men in in America, it is very much uh hard to to find
0: that. And and I just feel like it's we have to get our security from something else. And you know, whether you're a, a faith mm-hmm. person or not, I feel like there are still things that you can do in terms of getting your security and other things. Because I feel like so many people if we go back to identity their identity is tied into their job and tied into what they do and that's a really dangerous place to be because that can change at any time you know you could be really in favor with your boss at the moment your boss could leave and have a new person who doesn't value you so i really feel like we all need to do that that searching say like okay what what is my identity really in what is my confidence in what is my security in because i can't trust another person for my security and that's where I'm a big fan of people doing their own thing, building their own businesses, you know, having their own side hustles, because at least that's not really dependent on someone else. You know that you can do the things that you need to do to make that work. Whereas for me personally, like I'm a faith person. So for me, like, no matter what is happening out here, I still know that God is my security. God is my identity. That's where that comes from for me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I, and I think that that ties back into authenticity as well, is that if you are depending on something that is outside of yourself to to help you sleep at night like that's for one it's terrifying and it's never really secure, but also you're not really being true to yourself you're you're not you're i mean the the honest truth is you don't feel secure that's why you're trying to you know hang on to this other thing to be to find security and i you know I feel like uh religion can be something that you can internalize in a way where you can you can find that inside yourself but whenever it's like your job or you know the fact that i play this sport or i'm good at this thing Mm -hmm. whenever things get tough that's not you're not going to be able to fall back on that but if you are being real and you're saying like either either i don't feel secure like that's you know that's where i'm at is like there is I, I don't feel secure. And that's, that's my security is that I know that I'm not going to have that security long-term mm. and be, and I'm okay with that now. Mm. I know that there are going to be ups and downs and I'm okay with that now. Mm. And that's, that's something that is like that provides security and knowing that there is going to be unknowns and there's going to be changes and things are going to be up and down. Like, Oh, that's just always going to happen. Okay. Let's just move cool. forward. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, so, um, as a podcaster, I have a list of fears I have to face every now and again. What if nobody listens? What if they listen and they don't like it? What if listeners don't like me? What if I put out a bad episode and lose all their progress and momentum I've built? Those are just a few examples. What fears do you have that you face before you hop on the mic and hit the
0: cord? Do you know what? I feel like with podcasting, it's a, it's very like a, it's a bit of a flow state for me where like, I really enjoy podcasting, right? I enjoy meeting new people, having new conversations. And I think that maybe because I come from a sporting background where you have to go out there and play in front of loads of people, often people who don't like you. So when you go and play at an away game, people are calling out your name, cussing out your mum. There's all sorts of like in your face right there. And then people that don't like you. So maybe because I've come from that kind of background for me, like jumping on a, on a call with a, with another human who wants to be there for me, I'm kind of like, this is great. You know, even if it goes really badly, we do it again. So I think with podcasting, I don't know if I really, if I really feel much fear for that, if that makes sense for me, it's just like, I'm meeting cool people having cool conversations. If, the worst comes to the worst. I just need to ask a good question and that will open up a whole conversation because they're here to talk to me. You know, I'm, I don't have to entertain anybody. Yeah. I just have to ask good questions. So I think that's probably my my mindset with podcasting. I think what I'm, what I'm trying to be better at is the promotion and the, you know, growing the show and that kind of thing. But I think that's what it is actually. YouTube will humble you. It will humble you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. When you put up your short and it gets zero views, YouTube will humble you, and that's where I'm a bit more tentative cool. Is putting stuff out on like YouTube and TikTok and TikTok will also humble you because people are mean on TikTok. So that's probably where I start. Oh, to really? Think, like, sh- oh, are you are you on TikTok for your podcast or no? I'm not so i've posted a few things on tiktok now and one of them someone was like rude about this woman who said like um and are ah, a few times someone else was like this is absolute nonsense on a so tiktok is it's wild and i've only been on it for like a month and i'm just like oh wow see yeah, so,
1: so for me i'm you know of the old school like all publicity is good publicity so if they're talking about it you know i wouldn't care if they were saying negative things it's like yes i'm getting in front of some people finally. Like what like you still watched me it is you my social view.
0: Media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And on social media, like I get no comments. I have, you know, very few likes and people I know will will tell me things. They'll be like, oh man, like, I saw that video you posted. Like that was really great. I'm like, yeah, like you like it. could have said, no <laughs> like, you could have liked it. You could have shared it. You could have, you know, commented on it to let me know that I'm doing something that is, you know, interesting to you. And that that part kills me. I would much rather people be talking crap on my on my pages than just it be crickets all the time. Like it's it's killing me.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you know what though, right? Is so with LinkedIn, right, I've I've kind of switched up how I see LinkedIn because I've had so many of those experiences as well, where people who I'm like, I've never seen you like anything, I've never seen you comment, right? But they will tell me loads about my podcast. So they're watching it, they're remembering it, they're being impacted by it. And that, that for me is my metric. So impressions on LinkedIn is really my metric. So am I getting a decent amount yeah. of impressions Are people seeing it? Because I saw on LinkedIn, it's like only 1% of people on LinkedIn post once a week or more, right? Something like mm. 60% of people will scroll, see things, never like, never comment right? It's some, It's like more than half of the people are just going to look. So I've yeah. become okay with that in terms of like, as long as people are seeing it, and I think that's what crushes me sometimes about YouTube. It's like, I put a show up there and it's got zero views. So no one's seeing it, at least on LinkedIn. I know people are seeing it. They can talk to me about it offline. That's cool. But when it's like zero views on YouTube, I'm like, come on, you're hurting me because what I really want is people to see it and people to be impacted by it. That's really what I want. You know, yeah. likes and comments for me in some ways they're a bit It's like it's almost like a vanity vanity metric. Like, oh, okay, so many mm-hmm. people liked it. But what I really want is for people to see it, them to hear it, and them to think about it. You know, be curious about yeah. it, be be challenged by it. That's that's now my metric is impressions. To be honest,
1: and you know, and when you're doing things like we are, which we're both doing, you know, heart led podcasts, we're both doing things that are important to us. You're putting a piece of yourself out there, and like I absolutely want people to see it because i feel like it's good information it's good content it it will help you. like i don't want likes for me i want likes not. to know that people are seeing it you know and then you know and also to help push me in the al- algorithm so more people do see it that's my it's like i get focused on those things thinking that they're important but i know that that's not what i actually think is important what i think is important is getting my podcast in front of as many ears, my services in front of as many eyes as possible, because I, I want to help people. Like, and I do, and I feel like what I'm doing will be helpful to, you know, at least 10 more people, then 20 more people mm. after that. Like, I know that I'm doing something that is going to be helpful to people, but they've got to see it. And so, whenever I know that, you know, I look at impressions and it's not very good, and I look at engagement and it's even worse, and I'm like, well, if the people who were looking engaged, it would get in front of more people. And, you know, it's not anybody's problem, but mine, you know, I'm, I'm working on getting better at that stuff. You gave me some tips on how to engage better in LinkedIn and get more people on, on a, on that aspect. And I'm going to work on that as well, because it is a good space for me. It's just, I tried yeah. it for, you know, like two weeks and I was like, nothing, like I'm not getting in front of anybody and I'm not getting any engagement. And I also don't, I don't love the platform. It's not okay. fun for me because. Like I'm an Instagram guy. Like I like Instagram. That's where I spend my social time on Instagram. LinkedIn is very, it's like very buttoned up. Uh, interesting. Less interesting.
0: Do you know what? Right. But like, so but I, until, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. go. On. I, I, no, no, I w- want to hear what about, you want to say. Up until about April, I kind of thought the same about LinkedIn, where it's just like, that's where I go to post. I got a promotion. That's where I go to post a new picture of my headshot. What I found now with linkedin is it's much more of a social network for business so you will have people who are posting about going to buy jordans from some guy on the beach for example there's way more social stuff on there and i feel like linkedin is a lot more of an encouraging place because you've got lots of people who want to be better lots of people who want to achieve in whatever it is that they're doing so i found quite a shift with linkedin in terms of okay this is it's actually a very different place now and i think that People like to support something that's already doing well, right? So if your post already had 100 likes, people are more likely to like it. So it's this weird like human psychology thing of people love to back the successful person. So what we almost have to do is keep going past all the no success to the point where there's something that happens and then it starts to snowball. And then what you'll see is you'll post something random that's nonsense. Everyone will be liking it because that's what they now do with your content. So it's just like, you just have to keep going, keep building, keep plugging away, and you will get there. Like I have a friend who, he's been on YouTube on and off for years, and now he's taken it seriously. He's posted, four, five, six, seven times a day. And now he's got to a thousand followers, subscribers on on YouTube. Oh wow! Just because, yeah. And he gets no views all the time. And he's saying to me, dude, just stick through the no views, keep going. But I'm taking it personally sometimes, you know? And that's that's what I'm working on is I'm just going to put it out there anyway. I'm going to try and figure out why I get no views, but I can't take it personally. And it's the same thing with LinkedIn. You've just got to keep putting your stuff out there, keep engaging with people, keep connecting. And it, it, it has to come, it will come.
1: What about podcast metrics?
0: Do you uh, do you pay attention to them at all? So for the, the Reasons to Behold podcast that I do, which is a faith-based podcast, that one, we look at metrics once or twice a year, right? Because I don't want the numbers to become so important that I'm doing that for the numbers. And that one, we've deliberately said, look, we're going to try and just be faithful with it, not look at the numbers all the time and see how that goes. With my Dunamis EQ podcast, I look at the numbers more because I'm trying to understand, am I putting good titles? Am I doing these things well? Like, are my videos actually resonating? So I, I do look at those numbers and I'm a data guy. I come from a data background. So numbers are fascinating for me. Um, and then the podcast that I host for a company called Tick Talent, that's always looking at the numbers, right? Because that's a company-based podcast as well. So for those two podcasts, yeah, we look at the numbers. Um, but for the Christian one, I, I can't tell you how many listens they get right now, we look like once a year
1: wow so as a as a tech guy, podcast metrics must drive you nuts because it's so hard to actually get all the data in one yeah. place like is is that yeah i mean it's got to kill you
0: it's It's very frustrating, I think it's symptomatic of the fact that podcasting is still crazily early in terms of you don't have all the stuff around it to make it really easy. Even when we started the Christian podcast like three years ago, we had to get someone else to help us to upload them to whatever distributor because it was really hard to do. You had to be quite techie to mm-hmm. really do it. Um, but now, you know, you can go on Anchor, do it real easy. It's so much easier. Things like Riverside, like it's so much more accessible now, but it's still early. We're still not really at full maturity for podcasting yet.
1: Yeah. Um, I, uh, my last episode I recorded was with Caitlin Bree, who's also a podcast host. And I talked to her and I was like, so why are, are you just on Spotify? She said, yeah. And I was like, why? And she was like, I couldn't. I, I tried to post an Apple podcast and I think you had to pay money or something. And I was like, no, I don't think that's correct. No, She's like, I couldn't figure it out. And it, it it can't. There is a little bit of a barrier to entry to getting on all the all the platforms. Because, I mean. I don't like for me, I'm ADHD. So this was a hit or miss thing where either I was going to like this process enough where I was going to hyper focus, do the mm. deep dive research and figure out how to do mm. every part of it. Luckily, that's what happened. And so I was like, I knew how to like, I, I'm on every different uh, platform that I know exists because I was like, I was on it. And then I, you know, heard her talk about this and I was like, yeah, I guess it was a little bit of a struggle whenever I learned about the RSS feed and how you have to, you know, <laughs> oh, come get on into certain different podcatchers and, you know, the, the web crawlers, <laughs> like all this different stuff. And I was like, I'm gonna help you out with that. Like, like let me just help you. It's not that hard once you understand what to do. Let me help yeah. you because in this in this podcasting game, I've heard nothing but as podcasting grows, it's better for everybody. Like exactly. and I wanna I wanna continue to carry that kind of community on. I wanna encourage that. Like people at the top of the podcast game, like Joe Rogan, are constantly trying to help others out and put other people on. I want to start that before I'm big. I want to, you know, I want yeah. people to say like, whenever I, you know, blow up, they're like, I remember when he helped me do this yeah. and then they did talk about me in a positive light. So.
0: Yeah. And, and I feel like it costs us very little. So like, for example, I've got on my website, like people are starting to ask me similar questions about podcasting. So I've got on my website, literally, this is a list of equipment that you can get. This is how you can, you know, make life easy for yourself. You can batch record, you can do this. And it's just like, it doesn't cost me anything to put that up on my website. You know, it's going to help people when I can't actually help them. So like, I agree with you for me. It's like, how do I amplify other people's voices? Because I'm not competing with you. You know, like there is more than enough room for all of us to have podcasts. It's, it's not a competition in that way. And as much as I love being competitive, I love, I love collaborative competition, you know, so we can train together, get better together, and then we go kill it. You know, that's the, that's what I really want from all of this stuff. So I'm more than happy to help anybody that I can in terms of, yeah, help you to get your podcast up there. hundred percent. Yeah.
1: And it's, and it's really funny because it's like podcasting can be so niche that, you know, if you're, if you're doing a podcast, well, you have a specific, a specific hook, you know, mine is authenticity and you know, how it affects everybody's life. So I've got like a lot of, lot of different people in it. So somebody will come on my show and Part of my audience will be their audience, but they have a show that's like all women. So it's mm. like, it's not, I don't need, like, I don't need to be upset that I don't have their audience because that is a, <laughs> a show for women in authenticity. Mm. It's like, I don't mm. speak to just women in authenticity. I talk to everybody. And mm. so me going on their, on their show might make sense, might make not, depends on what their format is. But I still want them to succeed because authenticity yeah. is what I want out in the world like if exactly. you if your podcast is about a thing you should care about that thing so if somebody's talking about the thing you're talking about that's great that's somebody else who shares your mission you should mm. want to work together and help to get the thing that you that you say is important to you you should want mm. to work with other people to get it out there right
0: because there are going to be some people that just don't like me there's going to be some people that just don't like you so they're yeah. not going to listen to me about emotional intelligence because they don't like me Not everyone's going to like me. That's okay. But like you said, if I want emotional intelligence to be a big thing, to be understood by everybody, I'm going to have to amplify someone else's voices who they do like, because I'm not for everybody. And that's really okay.
1: I have a problem believing that though, man. You're just, I'm telling you your voice. I don't know if you've been told this before. (laughs) It's like, I literally, I want to start putting you on at bedtime and just like, Oh, that's nice. (laughs)
0: Maybe that's my niche. Listen to me before you go to bed, and I'll help. you. Yeah, you, you should asleep. start
1: doing bedtime stories. So, uh, like, just to bring it back around to sound like some of the anxieties you talked about. How yours is more of the the reaching out to other people. What about in life? So you're you're married. Do you have kids yet? No, not yet. Okay, so um, do you have those like real? I mean, the, all fears are real. I'm sorry, that's not the right word. These the deep, almost uh, soul-crushing fears that you sometimes ignore and want to pretend like don't happen are... I, I feel like being a, a a top-tier athlete kind of gets rid of some of that. Like, you could get used to being so uh, used to the pressure that it becomes fuel, and that's not something that non-good athletes ever really get to experience.
0: Um, so I think... I think for me, so when I was younger, my so I had three sisters and my youngest sister passed when she was like 18. So I think for me, that puts so much into perspective, to be honest with you, because that is literally like the worst thing that can happen to someone. So I feel like everything else that you go through in life, for me personally, like, unless I actually die off the back of it, it's not it's not something to be afraid of, if that makes sense. So I feel like that's really shifted my perspective on a lot of things, even in terms of like being afraid of this or being afraid of that. It's kind of like, I'm probably not going to die, you know? And if I do die, then that's a whole other thing to deal with anyway. You know, like I'm not really going to be here for the consequence. Mm -hmm. So that for me, I think takes a lot of, a lot of the fear out of things for me. I think so it's just I think for me it's more like making sure that I take care of my body because she passed through um like a blood clot that went to her her heart and then exploded or to her lungs I don't remember yeah. exactly or I don't really know but it's like that's really more what I kind of think about now is like okay I need to make sure that I know what's going on in my body more than anything else because I think she went to the doctors and things like that and they didn't really do You know, they didn't do the right tests, they didn't do the right things. And then that's kind of the end result. So for me, it's just made me a bit more like pushy with the doctors, like, no, you need to check every single thing. Everything that I've asked you for, like, I want Mm. the scans for it. Because they kind of and this is this is one of the things that we talk about in terms of the US versus the UK. Right. So in the UK, we've got this thing called the NHS, which is the National Health Service, and that's like free healthcare for everybody, which is paid for by taxes. In the Mm-hmm. us you guys have started with i think it's called medicaid is that right um which is meant yeah, to be something similar thing, but sorry
1: nothing is anywhere close to universal health so nothing we have is anywhere close to universal health care
0: <laughs> okay no
1: we're, no we're nowhere close to that
0: <laughs> but but i think you guys started on that journey and when i was living in the states i had i had like private health care and a problem that i was having in the uk When I was in the States, they gave me all the scans. And then within like a week, I'd had surgery because my shoulder was so badly messed up. But in the UK, they said, oh, you're just growing. Your shoulder will be fine. And that was on the NHS. They wouldn't give me my scans. They wouldn't do any of that stuff. In the US, they gave me my scans. They said, your shoulder is so broken. It will never heal. You have to have surgery. And I had it in the space of like a week. So the NHS is great as a safety blanket in terms of, okay, you've been hit by a car, you need an ambulance. In America, you're going to pay for the ambulance, but in the UK, you don't. But for certain things, like with my sister, there were definitely things where if she'd had private healthcare, she would have got a scan. She would have got you know different things that would have showed what was going on. And there would have been a better chance of her not going through what happened. So yeah, that's Mm -hmm. where I think it affects me the most is like now with like health stuff, I'm like really pushy. I'm like, no, you need to check everything and I'm going to have private healthcare and I'm going to make sure that I can do everything I can do to know what's going on.
1: Yeah, I have recently adopted the the two word brand of confident coward. Like I'm, I'm very confident in saying the fact that I'm scared of a lot of things. Like, you know, I I have a fear of not succeeding. I have a fear of, you know, of people not liking me and, you know, whatever it is, I've got all these different things I'm afraid of and what has helped me is learn to be learning to be open about those things and put those things out there whenever they whenever that fear becomes something that is uh, starting to affect the way i move throughout the world is just like oh hey this is something that i'm worried about like i just want to get that out there and then that removes it off my like that confidence to share that thing is what has helped me be able to remove it off of the table as a as an actual really effective fear so that's that's why i asked that question is that i really like to give people the space To get that that thing that might affect the conversation from going to where it could be if it's on the table, you know that's yeah. I just I just find that sharing that that deep thought, it's like ooh, that's man, that that thing's kind of heavy. Yeah, it's this, and then all of a sudden the the conversation just takes a whole different turn because all it's like oh yeah, I feel that too. That's something that you know we have in common. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I just I I like to have that conversation whenever it comes up.
0: I think I'm really intrigued by that. So. Is it that saying what it is kind of gives you a bit of freedom or how does, how does that work in terms of, yeah, so that's what it is. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's, it's 100% that it's the, it's trusting myself and trusting that I am good enough by putting that out, being, being completely real and honest about who I am, what I'm dealing with at the time, whatever it is, just being, being true to myself allows me to accept myself and whenever whenever i accept myself and you know give other people the 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 opportunity to accept me then i feel like i feel like i'm loving the real me not i'm loving this version of me that my parents told me i should be not loving the you know the firefighter me not loving the you know the black man america tells me should be i'm loving my actual self because i'm Mm. i'm being real like i'm actually Mm. putting myself out there not this guarded version that's you know, protected from all these other things by dishonesty. Once again, that gives me the protection of knowing that there's uncertainty. Like I'm putting myself out there not knowing how you're going to react, but it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. what I can control is being genuine to myself. And Mm -hmm. it has made a huge difference in how I interact with other people because Mm -hmm. i spent a lot of time in my life, like trying to people please and become the thing that I thought others wanted. And I, was, I wasn't I was any good at it. And it took me a long time to realize that people could see right through it. So if you know, they can already yeah. see through it, I'm already wearing my emotions on my shoulder. I'm already, you know, coming off as not like them because I'm trying too hard. I just decided to stop trying to be something else and just be mm-hmm. myself. And mm-hmm. I found more acceptance in that, in myself and in others. It doesn't always, people don't always like me. They're not always going to accept me that way. but. That's okay because I was honest and that makes me feel much better with myself.
0: I think for me, where I've been really trying to practice that is in terms of like faith, because I feel like in a lot of ways, Christians get quite a bad rep in terms of being like judgmental, you know, intolerant, those kind of things. So I think I used to be quite tentative even though faith is a really important thing to me, it's a massive part of my life, I would be quite hesitant to even say, for example, like, you know, one of my podcasts is a Christian podcast. So I think that's where over the last probably like few years, I've really been trying to consciously, like, because that's a big part of who I am. You know, I do that podcast every week. So it's like bringing that to the forefront in conversations. And when I meet new people, that's been something that I've definitely been working on in in terms of trying to bring my full self, because that's such a big part of who I am.
1: And I, I definitely encourage that in anybody and everybody is, if you have something that's a big part of your life, like hmm. don't force it on other people, but don't hide it from them either. Like, especially yeah. whenever it's a natural part of the conversation, people like to steer away from things that they're afraid that other others aren't going to accept, even whenever it's a, a logical place for the conversation to go. And at that point, somebody who's being genuine is going to start to feel off about you. Like they're going to, you know, if they're being genuine and they're being, you know, authentic with themselves and you are. Trying to steer this conversation away from this thing that's a huge part of you because you're afraid to share it. They're gonna, they're gonna know. It's like, oh, that was weird. And then at that point, that's whenever a relationship starts to branch into something different. That, that it, being honest, could have turned it into a great friendship or a possible like authentic relationship. And instead, for me, that's where it would always branch off into, yeah, I'm probably not gonna talk to this guy. Again. Or like, yeah, this guy's not going to be my good friend.
0: because like it's, it's so interesting. So I've had two instances in probably the past three weeks where one of them was as part of getting made redundant. You get, I got outplacement support. So I get a coach to help me find my next role. And I was talking to him about, you know, the fact that I have a Christian podcast. And he was like, okay, well, because you've been able to say that, I can say this. And so we had an amazing conversation about faith you know he's a christian as well he's it's really important to him it just opened up that conversation um and then there was another guy who I was talking to for another podcast and he mentioned that he's a man of faith right and because he's mentioned it i felt even more comfortable to open up in terms of what i'm doing because that's the other thing in a professional setting i sometimes wonder like how acceptable is it you know how okay is that when i'm representing a company or something like that to bring my personal beliefs into it, so it's just this really interesting thing of I've never seen it not open up more of a conversation, whether good or bad. You know, yeah, mostly good. I and found then
1: for it. me, that thing has been ADHD has been like the real thing. It's like whenever I mention that, all of a sudden, like I realize that the people that I like the most are also struggling with that, and they're like, "Oh man, yeah, me too." And I'm like, "Oh really?" And it's like that's that's why we probably click so well is that we both struggle with this thing. And, you know, as soon as we, you know, jump that hurdle, now like we just get tighter and tighter and tighter because that's something that it's really hard to connect with somebody on a deep level without exposing that part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my mind really does work differently than other other people's. And whenever I'm jumping directly into the deep stuff in your life, that seems weird if you don't understand that, like my filter is pretty non-existent. Like, you know, my, my executive functioning says, like, this is not socially appropriate. I know that up here, but back here, I'm like, let's just do it. <laughs> like, let's just ask the question, you know, let's let's get into your personal life. And all the people that I'm closest to are all, mm. they're all about that. Like, we all mm. love to have deep conversations and we don't spend a lot of time talking about the weather. That's just how we get down.
0: <laughs> and, you know, That's such that's such a superpower, because especially for a podcast, it's like, people want to hear the deep stuff, right? And I think sometimes people are scared to get into the deep stuff, but that's what we all want to hear. That's what we're all here for is that deep connection.
1: I I completely agree. And that is what I, you know, what I agree is my superpower is the ability to, for one, go deep and help people kind of access those deep things, but also to create a space where it feels safe to talk about that stuff. And Mm. I didn't realize that. Like, I've always been a people or a person that people have talked to about like deep stuff. And I didn't realize that that's not how everybody's conversations went until like Mm. I got much older and I started to realize like, Oh, there's not always a space to talk about how you're really feeling. Mm. And that's just something that I always carried around with me. And once I realized that that's what I was carrying around and what I was offering to people, it helped me like develop as a person and then talk to my wife. And she was like, you know, what'd be good for that A podcast. And it was like, wow. Huh? Yeah, she was. She was so clutching that I was like, I never considered that. She's like, I thought I told you that like two, a couple of years ago that you should do a podcast, and I was like, you might have, but I, I wasn't ready for it.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> and yeah, no, no, I'm ready for it, and I love it. Like I am absolutely just loving this process. Hmm. So, uh thinking of your friends and colleagues, can you tell me a couple of ways that people describe you, both true and false? Oh,
0: um, so one false one that I heard was that like, I'm mysterious. So I was just like me, like, I'm a very open book. There's nothing mysterious about me, but someone, some like, and someone described it. And then a bunch of people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah really true. And I'm like, okay, I don't accept that, but cool. Um, I think I'm, people probably describe me as very like level. Like I don't get too high, don't get too low, very level, very logical um, and probably like very curious. Like I ask a lot of questions.
1: So what do you like, you know, you say you didn't accept that one. How do you act? Like, is that actually how you handle opinions? Do you actually, so what, I, what I've recently been telling people is that opinions are like closed. Like, you know, yeah. somebody gives you a shirt and you try it on and it's like, it's not something that you have to wear. No. Like if it doesn't fit, <laughs> take it off. <laughs> like, just take it yeah. off, like throw in the dirty clothes, like or get, we're told in the trash, like this one doesn't fit me. So is that, is that how you deal with them?
0: Yeah, I think I'm always open to hear feedback. So for me, it's like I would love to hear what people think about me. I'm very curious about what people hear, think about me. But then I also just have to think about, like, how true is it? You know, is that something I want mm-hmm. to be true? So do I want people to think I'm mysterious? No, not really. So, well, I don't know. Do I? I don't really know. But I just didn't, for me, it didn't fit. I was just like, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm very open. If you ask me questions, I'll answer all your questions. So, um, but yeah, I think it's really important to know who you are and who you want to be and then decide if the things that people are assigning to you fit that or not, you know, and if they don't fit mm. it, you know, if people are telling me all the time that I'm angry, then I need to maybe change something in how I'm coming across because why does, why does so many people think that I'm angry? Um, yeah. but yeah, I think you just have to be balanced with it and really assess: is it true? Is it not true? Is it situational? Is it not situational? Is there something I can do to change it, or is there not? So that that's kind of how I how I go with it. But I'm open to feedback.
1: Yeah, and I I think it definitely uh, changes from uh, from scenario to scenario. You know, if you're in the workspace and you're you know leading a team, it's important that they not think certain things about you. So you have to take those those that feedback pretty seriously and. Not change per se, but implement the things that are able to see them as you truly are. You know, so it's like people say that you're mean and you're not mean, have more conversations so they know that, like me, like I have a resting, you know, bitch face. Like that's <laughs> something that I, that I deal with is that people might like, people have often thought I was a mean or unhappy person that they just haven't talked to. So that means I need to talk to that person more so they know that I'm not, I'm, this is just how I look. Like <laughs> this is just, you know, what I'm going to look like. So, Uh yeah, and I and but then whenever you're dealing with the opinions of people who don't actually operate in your space, then I think it's really important to just be able to say, Oh, okay, and move on, you know, whether it's good or bad. Like this person doesn't operate in my space. So them saying that, you know, like, oh, I'm I'm this, you know, monster success at this or that, like it doesn't actually affect how I move through the world. So I I shouldn't take that in and wear it as a badge of pride because you know, that's gonna falsely inflate your ego because they don't actually know anything about what you're doing.
0: And and I feel like this is something that I think about before I give feedback to other people is, is this just an us thing or is this a wider thing? So for example, you know, let's mm-hmm. say that I shout at my wife, for example, right? I need to know that feedback because if I'm shouting at my wife, I'm probably going to shout at other people, right? So is that feedback that's going to help me in other situations as well, or just between you and me, because you might not like a certain word that I use, but if everybody else doesn't care about that word, I need to be mindful about that feedback in terms of, well, this is a Bruce thing. You know, Bruce doesn't like it when I use that word. So I know that with Bruce, for example, Mm. I don't use the word, but it's not going to hurt me outside. But I feel like there are certain things that we do at home or at work that actually, when you do those things, it's never acceptable. And that's, to be honest, that's the feedback I focus more on when I'm giving it to people. I'm thinking, okay, is this just a me thing? Is this just something that bugs me? Or do I see this happening in other situations and will it impact them? And then I try and, you know, give that feedback so that it can be helpful holistically and not just between you and I.
1: And I think that goes, that speaks a lot to your emotional quotient because taking the time to think like, is this, is this just me? Is this just, you know, putting yourself first? Like saying, am I the problem with this, with this issue that I have? Like, I think that is, you know, that's something that I talk about in my leadership stuff. But I think it's very indicative of a high emotional quotient is asking how you're affecting this opinion, how you're affecting this decision, taking yourself and, you know, looking at you first before you make a, a critique or a feedback on somebody else. And, you know, taking yourself out of that equation and saying, OK, this is I know this about myself. This is something I mm-hmm. tend to be irritated with easily or I tend to you know have a low amount of uh, bandwidth for so let me take that out how would most other people deal with this okay this person is actually doing what they're supposed to do so maybe Mm. they don't need any feedback maybe that's just me needing to work on this thing and support them better
0: Mm. because I feel like we're all leaders in one way or another right so when I give someone feedback as a leader that's going to impact them. And so I need to be very mindful of the impact that I'm having as I go through this life. Because if I'm not careful, I'm going to leave lots of bad impact with people because I'm not controlling my mouth, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> you've been doing the podcasting thing since well before your your fun employment started. Um, for me, it was it was a decision that was based off of the fun employment and then built to kind of initially to uh, reinforce my business plan. It has become something that is like equal to and almost apart from my business plan. But for you as someone who was already doing it, how did you get into podcasting? Like what made you start the podcasting route? Like, you know, we've talked about, it was, it's about your, uh, your Christian faith and that part, but like what made you decide a podcast was right for you?
0: So the, the Christian podcast started about three years ago. So we've been doing that for quite a while. And that was because I have one of my good friends and we have loads of these like deep conversations where we're talking about everything. And so the podcast that we do together is really about how faith intersects with your family, with your business, with your work, with whatever it is that you do. So we would have these conversations and we were kind of like, I really enjoy these conversations. You really enjoy these conversations. Maybe other people would also enjoy these conversations. So that's how we started Mm -hmm. the Christian podcast. And we got some really nice feedback about, it feels like I'm in the room with you guys because you know, we're going back and forth. Sometimes we're getting heated about it. And it feels like you're just in our house when we're having this conversation. So that was the Christian one for the, the dunamis EQ, the leadership one, where that really came from was that I've been very blessed with great leaders for my whole career. From day one, I've had leaders who have challenged me, who have told me, this is how you play the game. This is what you need to do. This is how you lead well but I've talked to so many people that have had terrible leaders. So what I wanted to do with the podcast, it was create a space where people could hear from people that lead well, and they could take some of those tips. They could identify what good leadership looks like, what bad leadership looks like, go into their life, challenge the leaders that they have, you know, to be better. So that was really why I started the, the leadership podcast was to make that information available to people. because I actually don't have anything to sell right now, right? So like, I do not have a business off the side or anything like that. So I'm literally just here because there's a gap and I want to fill that gap. So people ask me like, okay, how are you going to monetize And this? I don't know. I'm, I'm literally just here because there is a gap and I can fill that gap, you know? So that's really how I, how I started um, the Leadership Podcast. Do you
1: have any desire to take that and turn it into leadership coaching?
0: I don't know if it's the right thing for me, if that makes sense, because I feel like I have a lot of kind of like anecdotal stuff. I have a lot of things that I think work. I've done some like reverse mentoring where I'm working with someone way more senior and I've been able to add value. Um, but I don't know if, if the leadership coaching is the right thing for me. That's something I'm, I've had the thought of, but I've not, I've not decided like this is the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm not there yet with that. But it's, it's, it's been a thought, but.
1: I I think that it would be, I think it might be a good fit for you. I think that you should think about it some more.
0: Why do you think it would be a good fit?
1: And ask your wife. Um, For one, like, I think the way that you speak about it is a, it's something that's obviously very close to your heart. You're very passionate about it. And I want to listen to you. Like, I'm, I'm excited to listen to what you have to say about leadership. I'm going to start listening to your podcast. I think it's really interesting. Um. And you are getting all this information collected already. Like Mm. you're already doing the research. So you're, you know, whether you're meaning to or not, you're compiling information (laughs) from the best leaders that you, yeah, you know, in so many different fields. You're compiling it, and you're already writing the course. You're already writing the the workshop. Every time you do an episode, you're collecting the information that's that's making you a more well-rounded research a resource for leadership. Why not just Take that directly to people who want to be better leaders and mm. assist them by condensing your podcast down and your 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 uh, your uh experiences and saying, this is what I wish I would have had. This is what I did have. These things work. I've seen them work. I've seen people perform with them. Here's how you implement mm. it. It seems like an obvious choice to me. Especially just, mm. you know, as you're doing all this, as you've been given... Uh, a newly minted amount of free time like it just seems like you know i don't know and then also you get to you get to be your own boss when you're coaching mm. and mm. uh being somebody who's married and may want to have a family it's it's a nice thing to be able to control your own time especially right now when you're young you can work hard you can build it up you can do mm. you know have build a nice client base and then as you start to grow your family you can just you know taper off as you want to take clients that are You know, your most important ones, the ones you've got great relationships, and also only work with who you want to. Mm. You know, not you don't have to go have a a crappy client who makes you feel bad. You can say, Oh no, we're not gonna do this. And that's that's what I love about the whole the coaching industry is that you can say, Yeah, I don't think that we're I don't think we're a good fit. I'm gonna, Mm. you know, I'll make a suggestion for you. Like, here's somebody who might fit better with you. But Mm. for me, like I'm here to coach authentically. And if you're not gonna be honest with me, like we're not gonna we're not gonna fit well. So yeah, I, I appreciate your time. Let's let's see if we can find somebody find you somebody else to, to coach. Mm. All
0: right. Mm. It's something I'll definitely think about. I'll definitely think about um as I continue my fun employment. So I, I really appreciate your thoughts on it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So um is there anything else that we haven't talked about today that you want to share with our audience?
0: I think that what you've What you're kind of talking about in terms of authenticity is so, so important. Um, I think that there are so many people that are scared to be authentic. And I genuinely believe that when you're authentic, that's when you're the happiest. Because, like you said, like you know that everybody likes you or doesn't like you because of you. You know, like if someone doesn't like you, it's cool because I was myself. If someone likes you, I don't have to keep up any appearances because I'm just being myself. So I really love That you're doing this about authentic leadership and about people being themselves. And I really like your idea and definition of leadership because it's so easy for leadership to be seen as this like glamorous athlete, you know, corporate leadership thing. It's really in the day to day. It's really, really in the day to day. And I think that's so important. So I think, yeah, I love what you're doing. So thank you for doing it. I think you ask great questions. Um, So, yeah. Just thank you so much for having me on.
1: Thank you for that. And I was like, I'm going to, I was going to end it, but I just remembered I forgot a couple of questions that are important. I did not ask you how you define authenticity.
0: I think it's really about being yourself, but also being the best version of yourself. So for me, it's about how do I understand the things that will cause me problems in my general life? How do I limit those things? So. You know, I'm super competitive, but sometimes being super competitive does not help the situation, right? So like when I'm at work and we're doing like a team day or whatever, me getting super competitive does not help. It doesn't help with my family getting super competitive, for example. So how do I see those things about myself, work on those things to become my best self, but be authentic at the same time in terms of being myself, telling people, this is what I'm working through. This is what I'm working on. Not hiding my flaws, but also not just saying, these are my flaws, take it or leave it. I'm still working on myself. But in that process, I can openly tell you, this is what I'm working on right now. This is what concerns me right now. This is what I'm trying to figure out. This is what I can't understand. So for me, it's that thing of don't feel like you have to have everything right. You know, be willing to be wrong and be open to that. That for me is being authentic.
1: You actually answered both my questions in the one there. Um, I think it's really important to to be able to view those flaws as part of your authentic self. And uh, yeah, you, I think you really summed that up nicely is it's not those people who say here, here I am, take it or leave it. That's not authentic. Like that's, right. you know, that's generally kind of hard headed and generally a hot mess behind <laughs> that, that, that presentation of, yeah, this is me. But what, re- what it really is, is said, this is me. I'm, I'm a work in progress. Mm. This is but honestly, you know, this is, my honest representation of myself i want to be shaped by opinions and grow but i don't want to i don't want to wear your opinions as my own and uh that that's how i say take it or leave it is that I, i'm going to hear your opinions and if that is something i want to work towards i'm going to work towards it if it's not then i'm just gonna i'm gonna discard it and you know hopefully you're okay with that if not maybe we, we should just diverge you don't need not everybody needs to be involved in everybody's life
0: I think that sometimes people treat opinions as instruction, but it's an opinion. This is what you think I should do. It's not an instruction. I don't have to do it. And just like as a follower, I don't have to do, or as a friend, I don't have to do what you said. As a leader, just because I'm your leader doesn't mean that you have to do it, right? doesn't mean that you have to take my opinion. It's an opinion. It's not an instruction. And I think that sometimes people get so caught up in that, whether it's with the kids or whatever it is. It's like, if you give me an instruction, tell me it's an instruction. But if you give me your opinion and I don't take it, that's okay. That's perfectly okay. And I think yeah. sometimes people struggle with the two. Absolutely.
1: Very nicely said. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you on social or the web? Where else?
0: So I am on LinkedIn. And you just search my name, Tolu Adebeken. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, I don't really post very much on there. And then you can catch me on my YouTube channel, which is Dunamis EQ, which is D-U-N-A-M-I-S dash no space EQ leadership podcast. And you can, yeah, you can reach out to me on there.
1: Go check out some of his shorts because they are good. Um, I've checked out some myself and they have low views and it's, I don't understand <laughs> YouTube's algorithm. Like this is like this is good information here, like share this stuff. Like yeah. So um what is what is the future? Do you know like I know that things are a little uncertain right now, but do you have an idea of what the future looks like ideally to you?
0: So what I would love to do in the next few years is be at the point where I have residual income coming in from various things so that I can be like, you know, like financially free where I will probably still work but not because i have to um so at the moment i'm trying to figure out what that looks like and yeah i'm quite open because you know you said at the beginning that you're a problem solver you love to solve problems i'm very similar i love solving problems i don't really mind what it is but i love solving problems and i'm a firm believer in you get paid in relation to the problems that you solve so if i can solve big problems i can earn big money so I'm still figuring out at the moment, kind of what that looks like. What am I going to be doing? But I want to be solving big problems. Basically, is is what the future holds. Hopefully,
1: what what I just heard is you want to solve people's leadership problems, and (laughs) you are going to pay pay big money to come in and solve your leadership problem. Man, it's it really just sells itself. Like you need to look at it. (laughs) Man, I'm like I need to I need to be you. That sounds really good, (laughs) especially with all the connections you've got in the in the corporate industry over there, like you, you know, big names. Like, it's not like you would, you know, be going to the mom and pop grocery store to sell leadership. Like, you know, mm. people and the, the people that you've gotten to come on your show. It's like you, yeah, you've got some clout. So I, I would just tap into those resources, you know, ask a couple of people who are, who you trust a couple of mentors mm. and say, what do you think about me doing this? I bet you a lot of them mm. will say, yeah, that makes sense.
0: I will. I would definitely look into it. And I think, Firstly, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I think what I would like to express as well is my gratitude to Sky, the company that I worked at for so long, because I think that sometimes when you leave via redundancy, it can be quite like a bitter parting. But I honestly have just so much gratefulness for what Sky instilled in me, for the leaders that it gave me to follow, because a lot of who i am now is because i was in quite a competitive high performance environment and i've been able to meet some of the best people you know and having something like sky on your on your cv it it definitely opens a lot of doors so i like i know i've been made redundant but like i'm super grateful you know like sky is really where i grew up and it's just it's been amazing to me honestly it's been so amazing to me so i can't i can't thank sky enough for taking a chance on me because i was coming out of university i didn't have any qualifications like that in terms of experience um i just had my degree but yeah they took a chance on me and i've always been grateful for that so even though i've been made redundant like there are no bad feelings i'm genuinely so grateful you know
1: absolutely that's that's very cool well thank you for coming on the show today this has been absolutely amazing like top-notch interview like i really enjoyed this i hope you did as well
0: i loved it I really, really loved it. So thank you so much for having me on. And I'm looking forward to listening back, actually. So thank you.
1: Yeah. All right. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review. I really appreciate the feedback and it helps me get heard by more listeners on the different platforms. Also, this podcast, or i oh, sorry, also follow this podcast so you get updates about new episodes, live streams, which are in development, and any bonus content I might share. Share this episode with someone you think might enjoy right now. I want to help people, but they need to be able to hear the show to get in on all this healing. Go and check out earlier episodes to support the future creation of great content. And don't forget to like at Authentic Identity Management on Instagram, Facebook, threads, and LinkedIn. You can also head over to the Authentic Bruce YouTube channel for podcast video, bonus content, and impactful clips for my conversations with these great guests. Finally, if you are struggling to show up as yourself in your content, your work, your family, or your life, I would love to help you. Authentic Identity Management does identity coaching to help you align yourself with the identity you share with the world. It's exhausting to live someone else's life. Live authentically and access the potential that belongs only to you. You can contact me on social or email bruce at authenticidentitymanagement.com and we can set up a free 30-minute consultation. That is it for today's amazing episode. So until next time, be yourself and love yourself. Bye everyone.